Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Good morning, everyone. How's it going? This is Tyler Dunn with Go Long at golongtd.com. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast here. Just want to remind everybody, uh, our podcast is brought to you by Hamburg Brewing Company, and they are firing on all cylinders now that the world has opened up. Monday, Tuesday, they open up at 4, close at 10. Wednesday through Saturday, open up at noon, close at 10. And on Sunday, open up at noon, close at 8. So make sure you make sure that you get on down there. Try out some of their new beers. There's so many great beers. You know we love the Louis the Hoptimonium, but since it's summery, they've got some new ones out. The Lemon Hef, a Hefeweizen with lemon, so good, 5.5, super easy drinking. Make sure you get on in there. It's 90 degrees here in western New York, so you're going to want to drink a little Lemon Hef. And, of course, you know we love Hoptimonium. Tropically delicious, really good sour ale, and they just came out with Juice Box Boy, a double IPA, and Juice Box Girl, a sour ale, both fantastic. So if you live in or around Western New York, it's right off Route 219, Hamburg Brewing Company. We're going to make sure we do another live event there through Go Long as well. It was awesome to meet so many of you guys who live locally. Um, just pay attention to your emails if you subscribe. If you don't subscribe, give us a shot, seven a month, 70 a year. Going to have a lot of fun events right there at Hamburg Brewing through the summer. Uh, also on the podcast today, I think you guys are going to love this one, Jari Evans, offensive guard for the New Orleans Saints. We're going to see this guy in Canton one day, just unbelievable, one of the best players ever at his position, and we don't know a heck of a lot about him, at least outside of New Orleans, I feel like we don't, but uh, as you'll find out, Jim uh, has a special relationship with Jari, and they share some old war stories from New Orleans, talks a lot about Aaron Rodgers, played one season in Green Bay, so really loved his perspective there as well. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Be sure to rate us, review us, Apple, Spotify, wherever, however you listen to your podcast. Thank you so much.
How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Go Long Podcast here with my main man, Jim Monas. And right out of the shoot, we've got, maybe, I think this is probably our best guest yet. We're going we're gonna to hype him up, build him up. Jari Evans, the man, the myth, the legend. I got your accolades up here. I mean, I had to have it up here because there's a lot going on. Six-time Pro Bowler, four-time first-team All-Pro. You have a second team in there. 2010 All-Decade team. I mean, that's probably right up there. I mean, it's your Hall of Famer, obviously, so that's got to be on your radar. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it, was, it, was, it was a fun ride. The ride still continues, just a little less physical right now. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, you know, I was able to perform on the field and take care of business and win a lot of games. And, um, you know, it felt good. You know, ever since high school, you know, my high school was named home of the champions here in Philadelphia. We got a lot of championships in the city. Then I went to Bloomsburg, which Jim knows. We were always in the hunt to be in the playoffs and, and, and championship aspirations and goals in the PSAC, one of the top schools in the PSAC. And was able to go to the Saints and put up a lot of records for 11 years with big number nine behind me, you know. Hey, so, Jerry, I like that, you know, people don't necessarily know our story here in Buffalo, but we go way back to when my dad called me. I was scouting for the Eagles at the time. You were a freshman at Bloomsburg, and he called me and said, uh, we have somebody that's not supposed to be here. And I said, really? He's like, yeah, you're going to be looking at him very soon. I said, okay. And I was kind of like, all right, Dad, calm down. Like, let me <laughs> – I remember going up to a game, and I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, he should be down the road at Penn State. But – um. It goes that far back with us, Tyler. And um, the, the way the draft fell in 2006, you know, Jairi's there in the fourth round. Obviously, the Northeast scout loved him, Dave Henson. I loved him. Doug Marone and Sean Payton loved you, too. It wasn't just me. Um, right. Marone was a big part of that, too. I always like to say that. But, um, man, it just couldn't have worked out better. You come in, and I always tell the story that the one thing I always told Coach Payton is he can't play his first year. He has to learn how to pass protect. It's going to be new for him. It's going to take some time. It's good. Um, started every game. <laughs> and, and we just said, Doug Marone, Doug Marone had the famous quote that when you were a rookie, Jai, he would, he came in and said, yep, Jairi, uh, he stepped wrong on this play. He uh, did right. this wrong and made the block. So he goes, I'm good. I don't care how he does it at this point as a rookie, he's making the block. And he became the most dominant guard I've ever watched. Um, Luckily, the second best guard I probably ever watched was playing next to Jai on the other side, Carl Nix. And it really was a magical, you know, for me, it was the most magical career-wise to be that part of those Saints teams. And, and that draft class in 2006 was special. Reggie and Roman and Colston and Zach Streep. I mean, it just goes on. It's, it's, it's remarkable kind of how that went down. And, uh, but honestly, that pick, the Jairia, that draft class is the one. I mean, it, it's Saints Hall of Fame. There's more coming, hopefully. But Jai, what I wanted to hear about was, was Reggie Bush ever a distraction as far as with the Kardashian stuff, with Reggie in general? Did that ever, was that ever a distraction or did you guys, that didn't really bother you guys? Uh, I don't think it was a distraction at all. Um, before, before you say that, you know, that's funny to hear that Doug Rose said that because he would never tell that to anybody in the O-line room about stepping wrong, and he always got on me the hardest about not always. stepping right. See, so, I, I, I always try to bring stories. That Roman Hart, you sure heard how Roman got mad. He was like, why did I – why did Coach Payton tell tell everybody I was a safe pick in the second round, that I was safe? 
And I was like, well, this is what he means by, I mean, he was upset about it. And I love how you guys sometimes don't necessarily hear some of the stuff right. we got to hear. Yeah. You're hearing from your dad. I mean, your dad, Court, it's, oh, it's unbelievable, look, Jim. Jirena, you, I mean, Jai, we, I mean, yeah. I remember working those team, those high school seven on seven team camps and those, you know, we'd be up there working. I'd go in the summertime work and Jairi be working. I mean, those, we go way back with, with it. And but, you know, Coach Hell, Coach Hell always had good guys on the staff and Coach Hell is a Hall of Fame, you know, collegiate Hall coach. And, um, you know, my coach, Coach McBrien, who was with Coach Hell for like 15 years, you know, Coach McBrien actually put three offensive linemen in the NFL, including yeah. myself. So yeah. we, we were coached very well at Bloomsburg, even though we may not have ran the ball in traditional dropback setting. But our sprint draw, our rollout, our plays, you know, the quarterbacks that we had and the guys that we've had, the runners that we've had, you know, we put up points and we put them up in different right. ways. But Coach McBrien always taught pass pro. He always taught – you know, twist game. He always taught those things, even though we didn't pass the ball as much. And, and come to find out, I get drafted and in front of one of the best passes of all time. So, right, right. You know, that, definitely, that definitely transitioned to the league and just how we prepared and how we talked. But I, I don't think Reggie was a distraction for us. You, people have to understand when we got drafted in those six and the staff and the coaches and everybody was kind of there before the players were, right? What we were walking into, no other team has ever walked into. You know, Hurricane Katrina, devastation, everybody being displaced. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you think of your superstar guys, Reggie and all that, we all were coming into that. So there wasn't a lot of expectations for us to even be a half away from the Super Bowl like we wind up being that <laughs> so season. Amazing. You talk about all the free agents acquisitions that, you know what I mean, all the free agent acquisitions that came that were like cast off from other, from other teams, you know what I'm saying, that didn't want them. You know, we did return our first-round pick from a year ago, Jamal Brown at left tackle, who was a two-year Pro Bowl, two year Pro Bowl guy going mm-hmm. in that year. And then Fane, who was a good guy, and Nesbitt, mm-hmm. who started. That was his first year starting. You know, it was my first year in the league and playing against Stinchcomb. I think it might have been his first year starting. The only starter we returned that year on the line was Jamal Brown, our all-pro left, okay. all left tackle, on a, on a team that didn't have a good season last year. So – you know, we were we were a highly motivated front. And then we, we have a we have a player coach in Doug Marone who's played seven years in the league on teams and, and had quarterbacks behind him that were great and people don't realize, you know, how good we were at running our first three years. I mean, Deuce had a thousand he was he was my first year I had a thousand yard running back in Deuce McCollister. You know what I'm saying? Second year, you know, Reggie was getting more but Deuce was still steamrolling guys. So we were more of a running team those first couple of years. And then we kind of Coach Peyton and Drew and, and Carmichael Magic came together, and, we, and they put the receivers around them and the route running to really elevate that. And um, you know, it just took off. It's crazy to see that like, basically all those guys are still coaching there too. I, that says so much about Coach Peyton, and, and like to be able to keep those guys. And, and I, I always admired that. That you know, there's something that, continuity means so much, and I just. People forget that Super Bowl year too, Jai. Like we ran the ball really well that year. You know, Breeze yeah. was setting records, but we did run the ball to finish games. That's what Coach Bay well, we always put, said. Scored. We put 230 yards on Buffalo in Buffalo. In Buffalo. With Marcus Stroud and, and, and freaking Henderson in the middle. So there we go. That leads to my next question. We were talking. What D tackles did you necessarily were like? All right, I'm. I'm. This is going to be a long day. Like I got to play on my hands. <laughs> Is there, are there guys that stand out? Oh, yeah, all the time. So my rookie year, 
you know, these are matchups that I will never forget. Me and Sam Adams on a goal line power play. I'm blocking oh, yeah. down and Adams Fane. Fane is going back. This is in Cleveland. I'm like, listen, this guy is not getting moved. Do you know what I mean? He's not getting moved. And, Mar- and Coach Marone was cool with that. He was like, listen, just you just got to shield him off, make sure he doesn't cross the line of scrimmage. I said, that's even tough. With my center <laughs> lead on a down block, on a power that's supposed to get. But, you know, rookie got it done. Then in San Fran against Brian Young, Hall of Fame, D-tackle, you know, great player, um, great matchup by rookie year. And then um, and then who else did I play? Uh, I want to say I played one of the Pittsburgh guys my rookie year, big guy in the middle. Casey Hampton. Yeah, I think it was Casey. Casey my rookie year in the middle, another 314. So, you know, I had those kind of big guys. I, I faced Saragusa before, too, in Baltimore. So I kind of started off playing some guys who were who were older, but you know have put up put a lot of bad you know film on other on offensive linemen out there. You know what I'm saying? Like punished guys. So I got my feet wet that way. But then you talk about the Dominican Sues and then the Gerald McCoy who was in my division. I had to see twice a year. Always tell those those are two different three techniques, right? You got Gerald who's who's an edge guy who wants to get wide and and jump the snap and, and get up the field and sack the QB and can do a lot of moves, but can also surprise you with power. And then you got Sue, who he can't really flip his hips. He's not getting even. He's not getting skinny. You know, you just got to worry about his bull rush, his power. Haloti Nada, another big guy who just coming straight down your your throat. You know, big Samoan guy. He's just bitch pressing you off of him. A lot of man there. A lot of man. A lot of man. Three steps, you know, three steps. I remember – it was either my last year with the Saints or my next to the last year. It was either 10 or 11 with the Saints. We play in, Lloyd Niles on the line, and this two-minute drill is, like, crazy. You know, it's, I think it's, like, before the half. And, you know, we're two minutes ain't nothing to us in the world. And, you know, we're throwing the ball. We, we got all day in the world. And, I mean, every snap. It was like, hello, Linata, wide three technique, three steps in the ground. I got to kick to him, and I know he's bringing power. If you watch that film, I was I was absorbing that power in a pass pro, but my pad level was like the run game. It was crazy. It was crazy. <laughs> so it, it was just wow. I just remember watching it. It was, it was just wow. But those are all different type of pass rushers, all different type of plugs in the middle that stopped the run. Then you got Aaron Donald, defensive player of the year, the three technique at under 300 pounds, just crushing everybody with quick speed movement. So, you know, those are the – and I played against Aaron Donald his rookie year, and I've never been beat by Aaron Donald. He's put that on record, by the way. Like but it. those are the three different – those are the different kind of styles you can see, mm-hmm. you know, in the interior with, you know, different defenses, different body types, and guys that have different strengths. Do you – I mean, as an offensive lineman, as a Hall of Fame offensive guard, do you uh, enjoy pass blocks? I feel like as a lineman, I would want to be moving forward, like kicking ass, taking name. I mean, it's to, to move backward. I mean, you're protecting a Hall of Fame quarterback, maybe the best to ever do it. It's so important. But is it enjoyable? Like, I, I <laughs> snap to snap to move backwards and stop these guys you're talking about? Well, well like Jim said the other day, if he ever had to move up in the draft, he's only taking a QB. You know, 
it depends on what QB I got. If I got somebody <laughs> that's going to pat the ball for seven seconds, you know, back there eating the peanut butter and jelly sandwich with some milk, like, yeah, no, I'm not going to. But, you know, a guy like Drew and Aaron and Russell, who I've, you know, had a short time playing with in preseason in Seattle, those guys know where they're going with the ball. Those guys are very confident in helping the offensive line out with the defense of, you know, who's coming, who's not coming, the pass pro. And, you know, those guys are, are – you know, Russ won't extend the play. Aaron can extend the play. But you know with Drew, like, that ball's coming out. Three-step, five-step, seven-step out. You know what I'm saying? So it was a little bit easier knowing as offensive lineman, if I can get this defensive lineman into his second and third rush, he's done. The pass is out. It's over. So I really had to defend one rush. I'm taking one rush away. So I know only he only can go that way. And now I know my quarterback's in the three-step. I'm defending one move. By the time he gets to the second and third move, is done. When you're winning games, I mean, that's fun. So Yeah, and you're winning uh, games. Yeah. So, Jeff, you know, we're doing something right. <laughs> Sorry, how hard was it towards the end there with the Saints when things get real? This is the business side of the game where, you know, obviously New Orleans loves you. You love New Orleans. Like, your heart's there. And then and then it gets crazy, right? Then, you like you just mm-hmm. mentioned, you go to Seattle quick. Then that was, you know, boom, boom. Then go back to the Saints, correct? And then go to Green Bay. Was yeah. that – was that hard for you? Did you just want to stay in New Orleans? Uh, yeah, it was it was it was very difficult. I mean, first of all, to get, I guess I had one more year on my contract. I never saw myself actually when I signed that deal, which it would be the last deal for interior lineman to sign. What seven years? It would be the last seven year deal. I think it was seven, right? Yeah, I think it was like yeah. seven. But anyway, it would be the, no offensive lineman. Ever. Interior ever sign a seven-year deal like right. that, you know, for that long of time, for seven years. Now they're signing four and five. But when I signed that, I, I, I was telling myself, you know, this would be my last contract. So, you know, honestly, when they came around and they released me before training camp, for obvious reasons, we know it wasn't about skill. It wasn't that I wasn't getting the job done. It wasn't about none of that. And that's what kind of made me like, what? Like, really? Like, okay. Like, it's not even about my play. You know what I'm saying? So but hard. So hard. And that's the part of the game that it kind of, you know, it kind of shook me up a little bit. But lucky for them, um, <laughs> it was crazy because Seattle wasn't about my play either. So, and the reason why I went to Seattle after I visited you guys and I visited San Fran. And I didn't want to get into the, I didn't want to bring up the yeah. That's another podcast. I ain't even gonna go there. I don't want to talk about it either. And the, and the only Buffalo reason why I is. went there, the only reason why I went there, because I didn't want to play in Buffalo. I was done with the cold. When I left the Poconos, I was like, I'm done with the cold, you know. So, but I went there because Jim, obviously, mm-hmm. his relationships, my old line coach, who yep. just left from New Orleans, Coach yep. Crone. You know, the Ryan brothers was there. It was a lot of synergy there. So I was like, you know what? And I wanted to get some Buffalo Wild Wings. Let's just be real. You know what I'm saying? So, But after I visited those two teams, um, you know, what happened, happened. I kind of went on ice for a little bit because I saw that it was it was some stuff hap- It was some stuff going on that I didn't like. So I was like, I'm just going to wait and see who, who wants me. And Seattle wanted me. The GM, Gerald knew the GM. 
we had some connection there. You know, Jimmy was there. A couple got, you know, we, we've had battles on those guys. And the, and the defensive players wanted me there. That was the reason why Seattle reached out to me because the defensive players said this O-line cannot get it done. And it wasn't and – it, and it, Cable did never wanted me there. But sucked it up, got there, long story short, went there. Didn't have any reservation thinking I wasn't going to make this team. And, you know, I was told we're keeping nine guys in the room and not ten. So and I'm like, whatever. That is a whatever. I can't even imagine somebody saying that to you. Right. Yeah. I'm like, guys are crazy. And, was, and I was in the fourth preseason game in the fourth quarter I was playing. And Pete comes up to me. He's like, he's like, oh, I bet you didn't ever expect to play in the fourth quarter for a preseason game. I'm like, cool. I don't really care. It's, it's not a big deal. Yeah, you guys got me out here with a center and a right tackle that, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not really it's, it's what, really, it's kind what of it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know I'll the difference. But I'm like, the right guard that you guys plan on starting, he's not – he sees nine – I think he saw nine Pro Bowl D tackles that season. And that's why I went to Seattle. I was like, because the right guard is not going to be able to play his nine Pro Bowl D tackles and get it done. And I even suggested move him to right tackle. But little did I know that Webb's contract was guaranteed, and that's – you know how the business side of the world. That's kind of what happened with them. Then New Orleans came back around, and, you know, we kind of shook hands and smiled, and it was the best <laughs> opportunity. And, um, you know, I was comfortable there. And I was just mad that my house sold in, like, 10 days. Uh, you, <laughs> so, had a, you had a set, you had a nice spot. Oh, uh, my house sold in 10 days. So, you know, it, 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 it was it was okay. We, we wound up raining that year. And uh, it was a fun season. Wanted to do more. But um, it was a fun season. And I knew – as soon as I walked off the field after that first practice that I had back in New Orleans, I knew it was going to be my last season just just because of, you know, the money moves that they did in less than three hours. <laughs> you, and see, that's the veteran part. You guys start to understand the business. Like you, once you're, yeah, you go from being yeah. a rookie just wanting to play until now I know it's a business. It was like, fool me once, all right, fool me twice. There I know you what go. you guys think. Like, you know, this is my last year. And, and it was okay. Um was my last year based off my play? No. I still think, you know, it wasn't. We all know that. But uh, but it is what it is. You know, we all got to get off this bus at some time. That's what, that's what Coach Payton said to me. So I was like, hey, I mean, you, know, you guys are opening the door. I, I'd rather keep it closed. Like, but, you know, it is what it is. You know, Jairi, Buffalo right now, obviously with the success with Josh Allen coming on the scene, you know, I always tell people the window is officially open. And I always say that window stays open for about four to five years realistically, you know, realistically, when you have the franchise quarterback in place. Did, do you feel like Buffalo needs to strike in these next four to five years, like why it's hot? Um, did you feel that in New Orleans? I always felt like we left one or two on the table almost to say, not that it's that easy to win a Super Bowl, but that, that San Francisco game, I still think that year we were going to win the Super yeah. Bowl. Um, I, I, Roman and I talked, we talked about it on the pod. I still think about that, you know, the Vernon Davis play, but, um, the window is, is that about accurate? Would you say like a four to five year where, you know, we can win a Super Bowl because you know, you got the quarterback. We know we got the defense. Let's go win this thing. Yeah, you're exactly right. I think with the records that we put up in, in, in NOLA, we definitely, everybody feels that way, right? That we, we, we had an opportunity on a couple of times and we just didn't get it done. But you know that's the nature of the game. Um, it's so hard to get every so hard Sunday to get back, right? Play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But the one thing I do know is you're not going to win a Super Bowl without the QB. The only team that's done that is like the 2000 Ravens with Trent Dilfer through his first touchdown in like week 10 or 11 or something. But in this league, you're like, you're, you're not going to win a Super Bowl without the QB. And, you know, you got to have a defense to stop people. And, um, I mean, Buffalo hit it, you hit it right on the head with, with Josh Allen. I've had him on my fantasy team ever since he was a rookie. And he can really play. I mean, he can play, play smart. And, you know, they have guys in front of them that, you know, that, that can block for them too. And I think that they're going to continue to build there. I think they lost some veterans on defense, but even their defense came alive the last couple of years. You know what I'm saying? So Buffalo is very unique, man. I think it's one of those unique sports teams that are, you know, there's, a, there's two other sports teams in that state, but nobody's really thinking about them. And their fan base is more of a region. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. and it's one of those, you know, nice stadiums. I think they still have the original kind of bowl stadium. That's, you know, one of those old school style stadiums where the seats are kind of close too. So, <laughs> so Buffalo, you know, they, they got a nice little, little thing going on, man. But I hopefully that if they can get it done in the next couple of years, especially with, with Brady out the, you know, out the conference, out the division, um, you know, the time will be now really. Out. I mean, I, I wanted to ask you, Jerry. I mean, when you went to Green Bay in 2017, so like the year before, the Packers made the NFC Championship game. Rodgers went on that insane run. Um, could have been the MVP if Matt Ryan wasn't lights out with Shanahan. But like, so you, you pick Green Bay, right? Like, you're, I, I can remember. I mean, that, they were thinking Super Bowl that year. What what goes through your head when? Was it Anthony Barr that like ended his season with the collarbone? I mean, as a veteran at that point in your career. You're probably like, yeah. oh, son of a bitch. Like, I'm here to I'm here to win a chance. Like, <laughs> we just lost our quarterback. I, I think he ended up missing the rest of the year. And, I mean, he, he was out several weeks. But, uh, God, what's going through your head in that moment? And what was that year really like for you? Yeah, it was, you know, the reason why I went there was the opportunity to win a title in title town. I mean, it's freaking crazy. And the quarterback that they had. So, you know, we were rolling. I mean, we were like five and one. It was yeah. the first. I don't know. If it was, I think it was like the first year they said they took the lead on the on the Bears Packers series. We beat them twice that year. I think one with Aaron, one without. But um, but yeah, you know, I went there to, to win the title in Chinatown, and you know, the team was building before Aaron got hurt. We were five and one. We just like we we beat Dallas with like a minute on the clock, right down the right, right down the field. Aaron ran the ball a couple times. You know, I think it was like Aaron's first overtime victory at home. You know what I'm saying? Like we were rolling. We were we were five and one and rolling. And then, you know, that crazy play by Barr, just driving him into the ground. And um, and you know, Aaron, you know, Aaron does that. He holds on to the ball to the last last second. <laughs> you know, trying to make a play because he believes into his ability, his in his ability. And I think players, you know, try to take advantage of that. I remember being in the Pro Bowl one time and. Um, or no, I remember playing. It was either Pro Bowl we were playing, and one of the linebackers was like, "Listen, we can't have a quarterback throwing touchdowns and running touchdowns." You know what I'm saying? They're like, "We got to smack this guy." So, you know, people look at that. They they understand like, "Oh, he's gonna hold the ball to the last last second, even if he's in, even if you're in his arms." But I think it was a dirty play by Barr, and and they and the crazy thing about it, if you watch that game, they knew it was a dirty play by Barr. And we all didn't we all didn't know that Aaron Burke was collarbone until we went in the locker room at halftime. But also my right tackle, Bulaga, had got a concussion. So 
he was out too that game. And, um, but they took Barr out that next series. They did not leave Barr in for the rest of the game. They took him out, and I was about to wreck his clock. I was looking to hunt him up every chance I got. I was looking to hunt him up. And they took him out that next series, and he didn't return the rest of the game. Really? I didn't – I don't remember that. They took him out of it because they knew he'd get his ass kicked? Is that what you're saying? I don't know. I just know they took him out of the game. Whether I, I, I know, you know, as a line – we were hunting him up. I was hunting him up personally. And the rest of the guys, we was hunting him up too. I mean, every time we got a chance, we was going to smash this dude. But they <laughs> took that, him out. That my bad, memory, I can't, my I'm, memory is correct. I'm trying to remember it. Like, it, it didn't – in my memory anyways, I, I don't remember being that bad. He, it was the drive into the ground. Like, what was so bad about it? Well, it's illegal now. It's just the body weight. You know what I'm saying? It's like – it's almost like wrestling, right? You know, you scoop a guy, boom. On his neck, I think deep defenders do have a tough time with knowing how to tackle, knowing what they can do, knowing what they can't do. But the power drive into the ground, the intent was to knock him out the game, and he did that. That was the intent. Um, it was to knock him out the game. And it, I don't think the intent was to break his collarbone or break his neck, but, you know, he put enough weight on him to break his collarbone and knock him out the game. And, we lost him for the rest of the season, and we had a chance to make the playoffs. He came back in the Carolina Panthers game, but we weren't able to close that game out. I mean, have you uh, ran across Anthony Barr or any No. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't, but, uh, yeah, man, that hit that hit took us out, man. That was – that was uh, that hit took us out of contention to win it, and he, he definitely screwed me over on that one. Hey, Jairi, can you take us into the halftime of the Super Bowl? Um, was it announced, to, like, when when Coach Payton decides to, we're going to onside kick, does that get told to everybody? No, it wasn't. It was actually told to us, you know, two weeks ago. Um, he just – he didn't say when. He just said to be ready. You know, you know how he likes to play mind oh, yeah. games with people. He'll tell you to be ready, and he'll do it on the last play or something, or he'll just <laughs> get it in and do it because he told you he was going to do it. But he definitely was adamant in saying, like, this is going to get ran. We've been practicing this. I don't know when I'm going to do it, but when I do it, basically y'all better not F this up because, you know, it, it's going to be huge for us. And um, and that's what we needed. Like, our, our whole mindset – even with, with Coach Greg and the defense, was to steal another possession for this Hall of Fame QB that you have. Get the ball back in your Hall of Fame QB's hands. Give him more plays to run. The more plays he can run, the more plays we can run, the more points we can put up. And and that was the mindset. We just get another possession for our offense and uh, let our offense go to work. Love that. So then back to, you know, not to skip off, we got to at least touch on the Aaron Rodgers stuff that's going on right now. And I know we talked about it on your all-pro Philly podcast the other day yeah. with Gerald Colton um, that I re- I'm really excited you guys got off the ground. But um, when you, you know, we're pro player, Jairi. Like Tyler and I always, hey, we are always pro player. I've always been that way. You guys should always get everything that you should get. This is where this this situation to me I I'm, I struggle with because it's not about money, and I asked you the other day is what's it what would you feel like right now if you were an offensive lineman on Green Bay with the possibility that Aaron goes somewhere else would you say hey man I get it I understand yeah I, I don't think Aaron's going anywhere so I don't it's either. Kind of done uh, like I said before you don't 
and this is no shot to Brett Hundley, when we lost Aaron, we didn't go in and say, hey, we're going to win this with Brett Hundley and win the Super Bowl. We went in and say, when is Aaron coming back so we can see if we can make the playoffs? You know what I'm saying? I don't see the organization sitting here saying, okay, Jordan Love is going to take this team and, and, and to the Super Bowl and win it. What I do see is I see a new coaching staff coming in, a new coaching staff saying, hey, you know, we have this guy in Aaron Rodgers, but obviously his contract is up in a few years. Obviously he's a great QB, but he's not our, you know, he's our guy for now. But what is what is going to be that, who's going to be that next Aaron Rodgers? You know what I'm saying? And that's why they did what they did. Now, if they, if they consulted that with, you know, Aaron or whoever, you know, they wanted to consult him with, they don't need to because as long as the organization is backing them saying, hey, we're planning for the future, this is what we want to do. So that's what I felt like they did when, as a player, I don't give a flying F about anything but this year. Go out and get me somebody that can help me win now while we have Aaron, while we have Devontae Adams, while we have Jamal, you know, uh, Aaron Jones, that running back, Jamal, uh, what's the name, at the other running back, Those young, yep. when they were rookies when I was there. While we have this offensive line, this defense, these DBs, go get us somebody that we can win with now because we're this close to winning. So for them to wait, not waste that pick, I'm not saying that Jordan Love isn't a good QB or, you know, they're just looking too far down the head and not looking at a Super Bowl right now, which pisses us off as players. It pisses fans off. And what they say, oh, well, the next couple of years, it's not going to be a quarterback to draft. You're not going to be in to, you're not going to have the ability to draft the QB high because you're going to be winning games this season. So, you know, you're not even going to be in the top five because you're going to win too many games this year. So that's where, I think ever since then, it kind of was like, why didn't y'all get us somebody now that can help us win right now? You know what I mean? I think that's fair. I mean, it makes sense to me if you're a player and and if you're on the Packers and you see them draft a quarterback, you're like, oh, like, right? right? You would be like, really? Like, I I get that. You're saying Jordan loves his future, Jim. Well, that's what Green Bay – see, yeah. I'm saying that they weren't trying to win a ring last year. Bottom line, as soon as that coaching staff came in and drafted a QB in the first round, you tell me, you, you're telling me that you're not trying to win a Super Bowl. Bottom line. Now, whether if it was the GM's decision or the president's decision to do that or they agreed to do it, I don't care who decision it was. But as a player, my goal, I'm thinking about winning the Super Bowl. When I see my new coaching staff come in and draft a position that's not going to help me win the Super Bowl this year, you're basically telling me that that's yeah. not your priority no, in title town. And that's the issue. And that's the that's, issue. I think that's, I think that's honest to you. And I think that's a true statement. And that's the hardest debate from front office to players. Is how can, you know, it's our job to the owner is to sustain success. Correct. You know, your job is I need to win this year because I don't know what's going to happen year so I, it, it is a it is a touchy and there's re- really not necessarily right or wrong in this right right you know to be yeah. honest and I would love to see you know I was just open air I mean shoot, they were one game away from the Super Bowl last year I mean it's not like they were a bad team but so I, imagine I, if yeah. they had imagine if they had a player like Jordan Jefferson or a crazy that corner that they could plug in at, at linebacker corner and safety or you know imagine they just had that first round playmaker you know what I'm saying and that's where it's like but, you know, I always tell guys this. The, the players go first, the coaches go second, the GMs <laughs> go next, and then ownership sells the team. Owner's always going to be the last. <laughs> you're right. You're right about that. You know what I'm saying? So, like, 
we, you know, as players, we think in the now. We're That's thinking fair. right now. We're sure. thinking today, tomorrow, you know, now. As the farther you go up in operations and management, they're thinking 10 years, 20 years. You know what I'm saying? They're thinking long term. And, um, and you're right. There is not no wrong, but as a player, you can't BS me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, very fair. Yeah. Here's a question, though, for you, Jerry. Like, if, if you're a player in Green Bay right now, like, and I've talked to some players on the team, and, like, they obviously want Aaron Rodgers there. He's the MVP. I mean, you're going to make more money if Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. So I, I, I get that. But, like, at what point, like, if this keeps dragging on and on, like, say it, it gets into training camp, at what point as a player do you say, well, Jesus, like, we were 13-3 and three in back-to-back years. We've got a lot of talent. Like, they just offered you the most money at the position ever. Like, what, are we chopped liver? Like, if it's about winning, don't you want to be here, Aaron? Like, don't, don't you want to be here with us? Like, are there guys in that locker room right now saying, like, what the hell, man? Are, are we that bad? Because that's, that's the narrative is he doesn't have a supporting cast. You know, they need more weapons. They need more around him. They haven't done enough for him. I, don't, I, try to, I go back and forth with these players because I, I get it. Like, they, they want him there because he's the MVP. He's really, really good. But also, are we that bad? Like, I don't know. I, 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 take us in that locker room. What's it like to be a teammate of Aaron Rodgers as this thing drags on and on and on? Well, I think I think people are looking at it like Aaron is upset with his teammates or the equipment manager or the doctors or whatever. I don't think that that is the issue. I think the issue is not his teammates. Uh, of course he wants to throw the ball to Devontae, you know, Devontae Adams. Of course he wants Aaron Jones running the ball. Like, you know what I mean? Of course the guys up front, you know, did their job. I don't think the issue is his teammates. I, I, it, I think it's something other than that, and I don't know what it is. Of course he wants to win a, another Super Bowl in Green Bay. You know what I mean? I, I think – I don't think that that's the case. Um, Green Bay is a very unique place, meaning, like, it does not have an owner. So, like, it's very unique. Um, you know, Mark Murphy is the president, and, and Ted and Ted Landis was the GM. You know, rest in peace to him. And, um, I mean, Ted Thompson, not Ted yeah, Landis. Ted Thompson, okay. GM. And, um, you know, so I don't know who the GM is now. But, you know, it's a very unique place without an owner. And the only place, other place I know is New Orleans with Mr. Benson, who was a great owner, and Mrs. Benson, you know, and that in the Benson family. So, um I think it's a different dynamic with that team as far as management. And I just think it's more so something with the new staff. Maybe there, maybe something happened. I really don't know. You know what I'm saying? I can think about because other than the GM, you know, Aaron has been talked to those guys, you know what I mean? Been in those meetings, been in upper management with uh with those guys and they know you know his philosophy what he thinks it's not because of the players it's definitely not that Corey Lindsay is not going to be there that's the center he's had basically for a long time other than um yeah. the other guy that retired um mm-hmm. that was in Indianapolis but, but but you yeah. know what I mean like you know there's guys that come and go so I, I don't think that the issue is the players it really isn't I, I think that it's something else um and you know we'll we won't know but the players. The one thing you, the one thing about us as players in the locker room, we know why a guy's upset because that guy is going to share that with us. You know what I'm saying? So the players know it's not about them. You know they know that he's not upset at them. Um, Aaron is a, is a very smart guy. He's very worldly. 
off the field, you know. So he, he's not a bad communicator. So, um, so yeah, I think the players, you know, understand where he's coming from. If they do, if they do, if they don't, if they don't. Uh, but, you know, he's not that guy that's like, oh, it's the guys that's, you know, I don't think the team can get it done. I don't think that that's the case. I think it's something, something else. Which tells me that he's just going to play for Green Bay because it's like how if you're Aaron Rodgers at how maybe right now he just wants the Packers to be embarrassed and wants to punish them in the court of public I can see that. You know what I mean? I can see. I can see. Listen, I can see. I can see Aaron doing that. You know what I'm saying? I can see Aaron just being like, "Listen, I'm gonna get my 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 stripe out there, whatever, and let everybody know how I feel." I can see him doing that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that doing it that way, but. He's still under contract. They're not getting rid of him, and he's not not going to play. You know what I mean? So they're obviously going to have a conversation. The one the one thing about Aaron in Green Bay, like he just like Drew and the other captains used to do in New Orleans, they will tell the coaches to leave the room, and they will have a conversation. So if this becomes something that you know needs that conversation, or if if if, if the players get in the locker room, they feel like, hey, let's just clear the air. That will happen, and then everybody else will have to catch up to that. You get what I'm saying? So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that will happen, but um, but yeah, I don't think you know it's not a lot of news coming out of Green Bay, so I can see Aaron rough on the feathers a little bit. <laughs> he wants to be traded though, too. Like that's the thing. I mean, he might love his teammates and, and keep them in the loop, but like he also yeah. wants to leave. Like, did he, he say to... he wanted to be traded? He said that he's not saying anything. He has I'm putting words oh, in his mouth. Okay. I mean, it's. I was it's, like, uh, Aaron, Aaron's not. I was like, Aaron's not like. Leak to leak to leak. That. He's leaking. <laughs> it, it, it's unbelievable. Aaron, Aaron is having. He knows what time it is. He got Devontae, those young running backs. They just got to put some guys up front to protect them and and, and have a defense out there. But it's a it's a tough place to play. Now, if you tell me he's tired of the cold weather, then okay. Like I can believe that. <laughs> you believe that. It's crap up there. Hey, Jerry, um, you know, a lot of these new head coaches are got hired this year. One guy I was always promoting on the podcast was Pete Carmichael. I don't understand why Pete never gets interviews. does he I, I hate to say this, but is he just yeah. not can he just not stand in front of a I can't understand how he doesn't get interviews for head. Do you think he's yeah. perfect in his role? Pete is great, man. Um, you think he's good at just keep him as an OC? No, no. I think it's the same reason why a lot of guys didn't leave Belichick's staff, right? You know, it works. It fits. You got Drew Brees there. Why oh, would you leave? Why would you? You know, leave? I think Pete has definitely been offered – a few positions, but why would you leave Drew? He's been with Drew since San Diego. You yeah, know what I mean? He coached Peyton. It, it, you know, the system works. You know the system. You guys are just tweaking it to how you want to make it. You know, it's like it's, it's like Disney World with the system that they have, and they, they just perfected it. Why, you know, lose that? You guys are putting up records. So, and they were always in it. So, um, and you know, Pete may have that little Peter bottom, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, no. You know what I'm saying? That not everybody can see themselves at that podium taking yeah. that interview, taking the hard questions, or you know, having the whole team look at them like the new Jets coach. When he, I just read something the other day. He was like, he's supposed to break down the team. He, he was looking around and he forgot the head coach yeah, to I, break down. I read down. that. I read that. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you know, but more importantly. 
what, what we had going on in New Orleans, I don't think a lot of people wanted no. to leave. <laughs> no, he shouldn't. I just I tell you what yeah. though, if he can get Jameis Winston or uh, Hill, yeah. if they if they get if they win with those guys, somebody needs to start paying attention to Pete Carmichael. They're going to win. They're going to win. James James got an arm. He's going to he's going to win. Oh, you feel good with you? Okay, I like that. You like Jameis? Yeah. yeah, I like Jameis. I think you know one thing we know he's the only quarterback to ever you know have his own thirty for thirty season show, right? Thirty TDs, thirty touchdowns, right? But but Jameis got an arm, man. Jameis he can throw. It's just more so about his decision making. So it'll be interesting to see how Pete and Coach Payton make him or show him how to make the right decision. Yeah. Pre-snap, after snap, with that arm in the dome. And then Taysom, he's a baller, man. He's a player. He was with me in Green Bay, you know, before they released him. So, you know, I got to see Taysom before the world saw Taysom. And I was like, wow, this guy, he can do some stuff. But, you know, everybody knew he wasn't going to the field before. You know, with Aaron, I was surprised that, Coach Payton, when Coach Payton, when we, they released him and Coach Payton picked him up, I said, what in the world? What what are they planning right now? I couldn't believe it. Because I know they're not getting through off the field. I'm like, what? But, you know, I also know Coach to always make sure he got a wrinkle and a QB that can do some stuff. And, and shoot, we, we, we saw Taysom be the baller that he, you know, that he is. He's a fascinating guy. I mean, at BYU, fans booed him. I mean, they wanted him off the – they didn't like him because, he, you know, he was – struggled he was injured then he did pretty well but he was still hurt a lot and then he gets to Green Bay and like you said he's, he's he played well in Green Bay but with Aaron Rodgers there he did. I guess they just didn't want to keep him around and here he is with a chance to compete to start which is pretty wild yeah I think that um I don't think that they'll like fully go to all Taysom or or all Jameis I think yeah. you know you'll see a mix of both of those guys but you know, in my opinion, I think they will use Taysom just like they used him when with Drew, but just maybe a little more, mm-hmm. and um, and use Jameis. I mean, they can they can do that. I mean, Taysom is a and the short yardage in the red zone. Taysom is a crazy threat. I didn't like them taking Drew out in the red zone. I'd rather have Drew in the red zone. Yeah. But you know, Taysom in the red zone and Taysom at third and short, and you got Alvin Kamara behind him. Like, you don't, as a defense, there's a lot of things you got to watch out for. Oh yeah, and you don't, throw the ball. oh, yeah, you don't have to – the Saints don't necessarily have to punt the ball. Like, like, short yardage is almost easy for them with him at quarterback. You know, when you have right. that option, it becomes easy. I hate to say it, but it's just like – that's why they do it in the red zone. It's unstoppable. It really is. Very hard to defend. Very, Very hard, hard to defend. Better, Imagine if they had Tebow. So, I mean – Ben, Tyler. Taysom or Tebow? Taysom or Tebow? Which one? Which one do you like better? Taysom is not even close. Taysom. I'm going, I'm going Tebow. Really? Tebow. Really? He's got God on his side. So yeah. I, think, I think things are ending well. Don't we all? I know. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> I mean, Taysom went to BYU, for goodness sake. I mean. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I don't know much about the Church of Latter Day Saints. I got to educate myself. Yeah, we got to figure that out. That's a separate pod, probably. <laughs> you know what, though? Speaking of uh, religion, it's a religious yeah. experience on on Bourbon Street. So, like, oh, I've only been there for a couple bachelor parties. I can't imagine playing professional football in New Orleans. Like, how do you ban? Like, 
it's like right there. See where like Jairi, it's got to be so see. tempting to just go crazy every weekend. You see where Jairi used to live. Oh god. Yeah. It remind me of uh, Bloomsburg and Light Street. You know, yeah. it just for uh, for <laughs> the for, Ivy uh, League of the PSAC, Bloomsburg. Go with the Ivy exactly. League of the PSAC. What was it for our, our block party? Region. Hey, block but, party was a good time. Oh, from yeah. what I heard, I never really went. From what I heard, right, right. right. A friend of yours. It's wild mm-hmm. now. It's wild now. But when I I remember driving down from Philly to to New Orleans, and you know that was the first place we kind of went just to check it out. But I remember that first Mardi Gras I went to, and it was like. I've never seen nothing like it. I mean, the whole Bourbon Street is packed with people, you know, outside drinking. Like, like New Orleans, you can have an open container outside. So outside drinking. I mean, you can't even move past the crowd. And then you had, you know, a lot of the Catholic people out there in, in their, you know, their, yeah. their, their clothes, carrying these big old crosses, just like in two by two. Like just marching up and down Bourbon, like different groups in different areas and different streets, just marching through the whole French Quarter. Like everybody is sitting, everybody is sitting. This is I'm just I'm just like what? So you got you got the strip clubs over here, the bars, the strip clubs, the daiquiris, the alcohol, and then you got you know the Catholics <laughs> over here carrying these crosses and this, and this stuff. And I'm just like it was like a wild scene. But then you know. The last Mardi Gras goes for a month, and the last few days is Fat Tuesday. And then 12 a.m. on Ash Wednesday, they shut the street down. It's like a parade. The, the police come in, and they shut it down with the horses, the, the um, <clears throat> trash trucks, the, the whole police department. It's like the sheriff department. It's like a parade straight down Bourbon Street. All the businesses on street level close the doors. You have to be off, you have to be off the street at 12 a.m., Nobody on the street. They kick you off. They they beat you down. They get you everywhere. They gotta get you off the street. And you better not touch the horses or you go to jail. So they clear the street at 12 a.m. It's a crazy parade. And uh, you know I was able to see that just because we were inside, but on the second level on the balcony and stuff like that. The years that we did Mardi Gras. But um, hey, yeah, man. at 12 a.m. it looks like a freaking ghost street. Like you don't realize that Mardi Gras lasts like a month, like you said. Yeah, last. They yeah. don't. People think of that that Fat Tuesday. Yeah, that's what I'm no, thinking. It's a month right. long. We kicked it off after we won the Super Bowl with our parade. Yeah. Oh my and, god. I mean, that's an, it's still one of my like top five memories. I still can't. It was cold as crazy cold that night, but man, that was incredible. Remember, we went like not even a mile, but it took like five hours. Like it's, that's the only parade I've written uh, writ, uh, written in in New Orleans, and um, you it know, was, it was. I nice. haven't. Re- Rode in a parade. That was the only one. How can it was, you beat it? How can you beat it? Into the sunset. It was just like yes. a sea of people. Um, you know, people there for Mardi Gras. So it wasn't just all New Orleans fans, but oh. you got whole Louisiana there and people coming in. It was crazy. Like, yeah, of course, us as the old linemen, us being fat, we jump off our, we jump off our, uh, yeah, our, float, um, your float. our float mm-hmm. and beamline to some food at one point. <laughs> I was we were like with, in uh, the sea. I was going with the linebackers. Food. They were, they were Zilma and, and they were, they were jumping. Oh yeah, I know they were probably wilding too. Oh, yeah, they were. I just but, uh, Bourbon yeah. Street, like, I mean, it was a bachelor party in the middle of the summer, yeah. but it, it just it's smelled like hot. puke, piss. 
sewage and regret, you know, just some kind of combination. <laughs> it was, it was all oh, it was just, but it was amazing. Like I think we probably had like one slice of pizza for three days straight because we were just drinking, you know, the whole time. But it's just a blur. It, it, it's like its own. You're on a different planet on Bourbon Street. Bourbon Street keeps trash companies in business. They clean that <laughs> every night. They clean it every night. That's what I kept get... thinking. It was like, how do you clean this all up? Like, every day. Every day they got to clean that street every night. My condo, I live I live right next to Amos first restaurant on Chapatula, yeah. about three or four blocks from Bourbon Street. Um, I lived there for about five, six years. So, you know, I used to walk all, all down around the French Quarter. So, I mean, you know, not everywhere, obviously, but – because it could be, listen, you go you go to the sort of left of Bourbon Street, it gets real dangerous real quick. Real quick. And you, <laughs> a lot of I, people don't know that. It gets that real Emerald, Emerald Steakhouse, remember we used to, you and I used to go to Emerald Steakhouse uh, yeah. that wasn't too far from there. Delmonico's. Delmonico's. I was trying to remember the name. Yeah, I love that place. Nice. Yeah. Jari, you're amazing. Hey, do you want to promote? So yeah. give us the, so you got the All Pro Philly yeah. podcast. Uh, what else? Where can we, we can follow you on Twitter? <clears throat> Yeah, man, we got the Off Pro Philly, uh, Off Pro Philly Show podcast on Philadelphia Voice platform, Philadelphia Voice YouTube. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jerry Evans, J underscore seven Trey underscore E, but Jerry Evans, you can find me. Um, Instagram J dot Evans seventy three, and Facebook just Jerry Evans. But uh, but yeah, we have that our podcast, Gerald and I. The All Pro Philly Show on uh, phillyvoice.com. Man, we can't thank you enough. This yeah. means a lot to us today. It really means a lot. Anytime, fellas. Just uh, let me know. Yeah, we'll get you back on when the season starts up. Yeah, man. And when I come see Niagara Falls, you know. We maybe, got you taken care of. Yeah, for you. sure. Come here yeah. to Hamburg Brewing, man. We'll throw back some beers. We're at the spot. Yeah. Hey, I'll be up. I'll be up. All right, um, man. Thanks so much for the time. Right, that was awesome. Thank you.